0: Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30 begins with the altar of incense. It was interesting doing some research on this this morning. And if you take a look at the photo, and with a thanks to Rose Publishing and their information regarding the tabernacle, um, something that I purchased a long ago. But it's interesting that the altar of incense, it burned in the holy place, but right on the other side of the veil of the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was and the mercy seat. So it was like, and it was supposed to be burning perpetually, that every morning Aaron would burn pure incense from the altar of incense. And it's a symbol of God's presence, and it's also a symbol of prayer in the Bible the altar of incense and the in the incense rising in the holy place it it showed something alive it showed something spiritual it so showed, showed something perpetual and imagine what what it must have been like for Aaron to go into the holy place the first part of the chamber of the tent and you know light the lamps trim the lamps and and keep this incense, and smelling this incense in the room, must have been a beautiful smell, because as you will see in a little bit, <clears throat> it was a very special incense that could only be used for this purpose, and Aaron would go right up to the veil, you know, God's presence was revealed in the most holy place, and he could only go in there on the, the day of atonement, one day a year, and, but Aaron got right next to it, imagine, you know, 364 days in a year going right next to the veil where God's presence was right on the other side in lighting and continuing to uh, add incense to this altar of incense so near to God. Imagine the anticipation of that many days getting that near, but then waiting for that one special day. And I did learn something new this morning in that there were horns that were on this altar of incense. And I did not know that when the high priest would go and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant for the sins of Israel, that's on the most holy place on the other side of the veil, he would also sprinkle some blood on the altar of incense, on the horns of the altar of incense on that day before he head in. It was as though that blood you know, allowed for passage to the other side of the veil to the most holy place. Very, very interesting. A couple of other things that I want to bring to your attention today that really hit me. So there was this, at the end of this chapter, where it talks about the incense. Let me let me pick it up for you um, in verse 34, and we're going to probably back up a little bit in a moment too, but says, then the Lord said to Moses, take for yourself spices, stackti, anya and gabanum spices with pure frankincense. There shall be an equal part of each with it. You shall make incense, a perfume, the work of a perfumer. So someone special in this skill in this way is going to make it salted, pure and holy. So it's going to be a holy incense. Now listen to this. You shall beat some of it very fine and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. The incense you shall make, you shall not make in the same proportions for yourself. It shall be holy to you for the Lord. Whoever shall make any like it to use as a perfume shall be cut off from his people. So this was going to be, the perfumer was going to make a special kind of perfume, a special kind of incense. And this is the only place it was supposed to be used. They weren't supposed to make extra of it. They weren't supposed to use it in any other means. It was set apart as holy to the Lord. I noticed that. And then also, then there's an anointing oil in this chapter. And the same thing is said for that, where... The everything of the tabernacle would be anointed with oil for like prayer. And also the priests would anoint themselves. And before they would be fit for service to be used for the tabernacle, they would be anointed by this special oil. Now listen to this. Um, You shall speak to the sons of Israel. This is verse 31 saying, this shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations It shall not be poured out on anyone's body, nor shall you make any like it Excuse me, in the same proportions, as it is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever shall mix any like it, whoever puts any of it on a layman, shall be cut off from his people. So this was going to be a special anointing oil only used for this purpose, and it was going to be said to be holy. The other thing that we saw in this chapter is that it talked about the bronze laver now this was not inside the temp, the tabernacle proper but yes inside the fenced area of the entire tabernacle and again you can see the photo I'll provide it in the podcast but the bronze laver was in between the actual tent like tabernacle and the altar of sacrifice where they would not the altar of incense that we just talked about but where they would sacrifice the animals so This is all happening in the gated area, not in the tent. So that way, a priest, after making the offering of the animal, could go to the bronze laver and wash, because God wanted them to wash their hands and their feet before they entered. So they had to be cleansed in order to enter, to do the ministry of the holy place and most holy place. I mean, think of all these things now. There was, first of all, a fence-like structure around the tabernacle. And only the priests could do the ministry inside. They had to have special clothes that would set up be set apart. They had to anoint their themselves before they went in. After offering a sacrifice, they had to cleanse themselves in the bronze laver. Inside there was an altar of incense. They were only supposed to use a special incense for this purpose, a holy incense. They were supposed to use an anointing oil that would only be used for that purpose. It was holy unto the Lord. All this holiness and reverence and awe that went into the tabernacle, isn't it something? What is so incredible is that now we are God's people and we have been made holy by the blood of Jesus, just like it was sprinkled on those horns and on the mercy seat. And now, we are the place where God's spirit dwells. That, that is such a mighty thing to comprehend. Now, I want th- us to think about this, though. Because all these things needed to be made right and holy, prepared, honored. There was a reverence about the tabernacle. And that was in order for God's presence to be there with them, they needed to follow God's rules of holiness. Now we have been made holy by the blood of Jesus. We've been given his clothes of righteousness because we believe in him, but yet there's still a responsibility to be holy. And I want to, I want you to think about that. Like with God's presence now doing with man, listen, I want to give you some New Testament passage just to, just to comprehend this. Verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy and that is what you are. I mean, God does not place himself in something that's not holy. And the only way he could come dwell in us was through the blood of Jesus. But then it would be irreverent for us to be unholy, to live unholy lives. I mean, thankful for the grace of God and his mercy and his blood, but be holy as I am holy, as it's written in First Peter. I want to give you some other verses regarding this similar concept. Uh, for this, I'm turning to First Corinthians chapter 6. I want to pick it up in verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he's going to rightly say, we were those people. Such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. See, God made us right through faith in the sacrifices of his son. uh, And also our, our ceremony of faith to place our faith in Jesus physically is through the waters of baptism. And that also is a symbol of us washing away the old man and rising to new life in him. But anyways, this is what, even though we were those things, it says we were, such were some of you, but you've been made clean and made right by the blood of Jesus. Okay, so then it goes on to say, listen, verse 12, all things are lawful for me. Meaning we, we don't have all the laws of the Old Testament now. We have more freedom today uh, in not being under the law. But listen to what it says. But not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach and stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power, hallelujah, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Now think about that. Jesus Christ has now come to dwell inside of us. We are the tabernacle of God. All these things that were set apart in the tabernacle to be holy, to be used for that purpose. Now we are the place God dwells. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. And, you know, our sexual intimacy of husband and wife, you know, when a male is inside of a female, they literally are one. And we should not be one with anybody but our wives, and especially not sexual immorality and a prostitute. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. See, now God dwells in us. And then it says, verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 6, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. And listen to what it says next. Or do you not know that your body is a temple or tabernacle of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You're not your own anymore. For you have been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus, by the way, therefore glorify God in your body. Wow, what an amazing word. We're supposed to glorify God now. We're supposed to pursue holiness. We're supposed to put away sinfulness and sexual immorality, and we're supposed to be set apart just like there was a special oil, just like there was a special incense. We're now supposed to be the set apart people of God, seeking God, pursuing God, living in this world, but not being of the world. And you know, it's, it, I think this is just a glorious thing we're seeing in God's Word today. I want to take you to one other passage in Second Corinthians chapter 6. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And this is kind of an interesting one to comprehend and interpret, but listen to what it says. Second Corinthians 6, 14, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple, that's why I'm bringing this up, of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, listen to this, I will dwell in them and walk among them. Now he's quoting Old Testament here, uh, (laughs) but we just read in Exodus last week, or yesterday, Exodus 29, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Now, it's interesting there because he's actually saying, hey, be careful about your partnership with unbelievers be separate because God is dwelling in you. Now, we have to balance this out with the fact that you should be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, we are to interact with unbelievers in our world so that we can point them to Jesus, but we're not supposed to be poisoned by their sin. We're not supposed to be in partnership with the sinfulness of the world. So, we have to be very aware of our surroundings and we have to be seeking to influence the unbelievers of the world to know our Lord and Savior Jesus so they can receive the forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and get the promise of eternal life. But yet without partnering with their sin, without being influenced by them, I mean, if if we in hanging out with the world are becoming more like the world, we need to get out until we're strong enough in the Lord where we can then be in the presence with worldly people and point them to Jesus instead of them pointing us to the world. So may we realize that we've been set apart, we've been made holy. God is dwelling inside of us. We can't, we should not be taking him into sin. We should not be taking the God that's in us into sin. We need to represent God and be set apart for his purposes, and yes, interact with the world so that we can point them to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, and God bless you all.